Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode seven of Not Quite Cinema. Seven, yeah. Uh, where we talk to movies and shows, grab our eye, turn off our brains, and make a few folks out there say, that is Not Quite Cinema. Yeah. Jeremy, hit us with the agenda today. We have a lot to cover. Yeah. And a new person to introduce as well. We do, we do. Uh, okay, so uh, we have, first of all, our Peacemaker series review. We got our finale this Let's week. Go. Super exciting. Really good. I loved it. Um, we have our Batman countdowns continuing. We watched Kilmer and Clooney have their takes. The Joel Schumacher week. films. Yeah. Uh, we got uh, two Super Bowl spots for Marvel. We uh-huh. got a Moon Knight trailer, a new one, and a lot of Doctor Strange. We did. Um, and then we went and saw Uncharted this week. <laughs> oh, boy, <laughs> gonna, did we. We're going to talk about that. Uh, and uh, Francis Ford Coppola. I'm pronouncing that right? Yeah. Coppola. Um, he uh, had a little interview in which he... I don't know. He's he's hopping on the the Martin Scorsese he, train. He is the exact type of person that inspired this entire podcast. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very true. All right, let's uh, let's jump in the Peacemaker series. Peacemaker. Review. I, I've been waiting to praise this show, and I I felt like I couldn't say anything because all like superhero shows that we've gotten have fizzled out by the end of the by the end of the series. I right? agree with that. Yeah, and I didn't want to say like oh, I don't want to praise it. I don't want to say like it's the best show that we've gotten for yeah. for like any sort of like superhero genre but jeremy i can solidify it and i can proudly say now this is the best superhero show that we have ever gotten marvel dc well i should say best superhero streaming show with with like the resurgence or not resurgence the the rise of Of popularity of streaming this is the best one that's come out Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. I agree. Um, uh, Peacemaker's emotions. John Cena's acting. Wow. The, uh, <laughs> the chemistry between the cast, the directing, the music, the gore and the violence. Yeah. And I, the just absolute fun that you could have dr- while watching this series. It, it solidified. It's, it was my favorite show this year. Like yeah, 100%. By far. By far. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I had just like recently finished Daredevil. I mentioned that a while ago. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to call it peak superhero TV mm-hmm. yet, but. Yeah, this got real close for me. It, mm-hmm. it was this finale. I was so worried that it was going to fall off because Wandavision did that. Mm-hmm. Falcon the Soldier did that well before the did finale. Like, halfway uh, through the season, yeah. Um, and you know Loki, I think, kind of petered off too, kind of halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. But this show finished strong. Finished I strong. I gotta say, I'm just gonna start off hot. My my favorite favorite moment. Give me, give me, give me that theme song scene, man! Give me that theme song scene where they're just kicking yeah. ass. Like that was Holy by shit. far my most favorite part of the entire show. I totally thought you were about. To, I was about to say like, yeah, me too, Jeremy. But you didn't. What? Oh, what, what was your Justice League <laughs> showing up at the end? <laughs> I no did Batman. not see that coming. I, I don't. Not I don't know coming. if it's like they cut Batman out or anything because they don't know what they're gonna do with him with Flash. But I guess I, so. I like I the the like image of Batman being stuck in traffic. Yeah, that there. was that was more my interpretation was like, okay, Flash has super speed, Wonder Woman and uh Superman, Aquaman. they they are like super fast and can fly. What did Aquaman do? How do you Aquaman, get there? I don't know, maybe he has like superhuman jumping, that's probably <laughs> a thing. Like but Batman, yeah, I do I do get this kind of feeling yeah. of like this man's just stuck in traffic yeah. somewhere. <laughs> like I didn't need to see him because I feel like just the appearance of like those characters popping up at the very end. He yeah, goes, you're late, fuckers. I I like the way that James Gunn takes the like uh, like I watched the Guardians movies recently. Mm-hmm. I love how he takes these opportunities with bigger universes and introduces some can- canonic bullshit. Like yeah 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 he yeah. he he canonized Green Arrow being a brony in this uh-huh. episode. Mm-hmm. Like John Economo said, <laughs> no confirmed. That's real. 
a green arrow's a brony, so not only does he exist in this universe, badass character, by the way, can't yeah. wait to see if he's actually a in this brony. universe at some point, but like, he's a brony, like, that's such a fun detail and that James Gunn can oh just canonize, oh God, like, and, and he canonized, like, Aquaman oh, Jack, I'm tired of this fucking fish rumor, like, I fuck fish, and Barry's like, oh, it's not a rumor, it's not, not a rumor, guys, it's, I was like, <laughs> it's holy true. shit, he actually fucks fish, dude, yeah, I, I love the character work they do in this, and I love how the Justice League showing up mm -hmm. was such an afterthought. Like, yeah. I had such a big issue with Book of Boba Fett because Relied Mandalorian came in, the cameos came in, and it took over the show. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, yeah, they didn't have as much screen time in the Justice League, but, mm -hmm. like, still, they were an afterthought. Uh, like, yeah. they, like, Peacemaker walked past them, I'm like, yeah, fuck those guys. Like, it's like, <laughs> what? The, the equivalent of what happened in Boba Fett, we're not even, Boba Fett isn't even on the agenda, but we're bringing it up. Yeah. So, <laughs> but what happened with Boba Fett, if you were to, like, Equivalize it to like Peacemaker. Yeah. It's like if Peacemaker was in a show and then like Deadshot came in or something like yeah, that yeah. from like Suicide Squad and then you, we just saw like two episodes with him instead and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like that's so weird what happened in Boba Fett. Anyway. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've, I just feel bad about it. But I mean, mm -hmm. getting back to Peacemaker, yeah, my, my favorite parts of this show mm -hmm. or this, not this show, but this finale. I love the absolute suspense I feel all the way throughout. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not anxious or nervous like yeah. I am when I'm watching like a movie like Whiplash where I'm I am anxious and ner nervous all the time, but mm -hmm. like oh my goodness, the the absolute like nervousness I felt going into that final battle cuz mm -hmm. James Gunn. I'm like cuz James Gunn kill everybody. And I I got the vibe like Vigilante got shot in the back and he he like tossed the knife back and killed that guy oh, and I was like I was like Oh my god, is he like is he dead? Like is he just done? But no, he's he's back. He's fine. He's fine. He just he walks over he's at chilling. the end. He's like, "Hey guys, how you how you doing?" And he just collapses in a hospital and is okay. I love the way he finishes off, by the way. Yeah. Just tops out the window. That's fucking awesome. I, I look it's like he looked high up. I don't think he jumped like, 10 feet <laughs> down. He just went No. Nah, just jumped out. Seems like three stories. Three but. stories. <laughs> All right, you want to get into our little ratings of what we are going to give this show? Yeah, sure. Uh so I mean for me, this show landed like just below Daredevil. Mm -hmm. I, I gave it an 8.8. 8. 8. That was what I gave it, uh, which for me, uh, I believe kind of lands in this this spot of, wow, this was this was really just amazing. And I love it so much. Like, I, I, I genuinely would watch this show over and over again. The mm -hmm. arcs are beautiful. The relationships are perfect to me. The acting is... I, I just I can't describe it as anything other than stellar. It's so so so, so good. good, so good. Well, Jeremy, like I said in my intro, is the characters came first in this show, very much so, and it really helped build the quality of the overarching story mm -hmm. and Peacemaker as a whole. So I think the attention to detail in every single episode, the music, everything, the aesthetic, the way killing, James Gunn action. uses music. Oh, wow! Yo, I want him to make me a playlist. For real, for like, real. I, I just in like a way that he's like in love with me kind of thing. I want to see what that's like. <laughs> Absolutely, anything Absolutely. that I can want. Yeah, yeah. So, but what I'm gonna say about this is, it was amazing. Jeremy, I'm gonna give it a cinema killer designation. Really, I'm gonna say this streaming show is a cinema killer. It is an example of where we're headed, and I'm giving it a 9.1 out of 10. I think that's fair. I think that's it perfectly is fair. fair. It's yeah, factual. it's factual. I, yeah, I, I definitely think. Yeah, that's what I was looking for earlier. I was like, "Cinema killer." What's the buzzword we use? Like, "Cinema killer." Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Like, yeah, if, this if this, every this show, draws me into. If every show, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. It, oh, Peacemaker also delves into like 
because there's like an Avengers problem in the MCU where it's no one can have like a small story. Yeah. You know, because like where's the Avengers? Yeah. It, it, why didn't they show? It's up? like a huge problem, and I think that's why they're, why they're delving into the multiverse so hard right now to like get rid of break it up. Yeah. Yeah. But even then, the multiverse is huge. No one's like, is anyone ever gonna have like? He kidnapped my girlfriend again. Like you yeah, know. Yeah, I, I gotta say, and I, I guess this this isn't exactly you know peacemaker talk, but like, yeah, I gotta say, like with the Falcon and Winter Soldier, it felt so out of place mm-hmm. in this next phase because I mean we're going big scale, we're going Loki went multiverse, mm-hmm. Wandavision went reality warping, mm-hmm. like Eternals went ancient, you know, like yeah. it, it just it feels so out of place because these street level stories just don't really have a spot. That's why. That's where I think like. If DC can continue with its, its success, I mean, maybe Warner Brother, it, Warner Brothers saw this coming like a mile away, where it's like, well, they're gonna run out of ideas eventually, right? Where it's gonna be like, because in the comics, it's like, it's a never-ending story where you can just like play pretend and be like, oh, this isn't like a continuation on the comic from 30 years ago or anything like that. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So I think I think Warner Brothers is in this field where they're kind of in the driver's seat for the superhero genre, yeah. Where it's they're not attached to like any one character because Ben Affleck's not coming back we don't know if Henry Cavill's yeah. 100% coming back I hope he does but they can create these stories that aren't attached to each other they can create the Joker mm-hmm. and not have it be attached to the Batman absolutely right? and but these movies are still going to be quality and they're still going to make billions of dollars very much you know so. yeah and it's like because it's a huge IP and already. then we have Peacemaker here where it's like he deals with like it is a world ending scenario but it's the fact that it's he, it was written so well where it's you don't need the Justice League. Not and really. then the Justice League showing up isn't crazy. It's like not important. You know? I think for me, I spent a lot of this episode actually thinking like and I mean they address it, Adebayo says it earlier in the episode, mm-hmm. like can you call in the Justice League? She's on the phone with Amanda Waller. Yeah. I also love how she just outs everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, yeah, I mean uh, that was something I wondered the whole time. I'm like damn where's the big guns like mm-hmm. the, this is really like, this is a, a world threat like this is a world ending threat mm-hmm. um and you know i just loved the juxtaposition of we didn't need the justice league yeah. to do that we could just use a helmet yeah. and blow up the building yeah that's it that's all we needed so good i really i yeah i cannot just, wait for season two yeah I, I that was the one question i was left with and we'll we'll move on here because we have to but yeah that's the one question i'm left with is like Where's season two going to take me? Two. I have no idea because it already got renewed, and I'm happy it did. And the thing I'm is, so excited to see what happens. I feel like if it's another world-ending event, it's not going to have that problem in the back of your mind. Like, where's the Justice League? Because I'm going to be like, Peacemaker's got it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's I'm like, get over. Need the Justice. I'm going to get overconfident now. That's what I'm. That's like, what's imagine. <laughs> imagine if the MCU could do that, where it's like Spider-Man has it, and he's like. I don't need to call Doctor Strange. I don't need to call Iron, yeah. Iron Man or any of the Avengers. You know. Yeah, I do think at some point this like interconnectedness mm-hmm. is a weakness. Yeah, like it's fun to build this overarching universe, mm-hmm. and all these stories connected in different ways, and that's cool. Yeah, but at some point, I'm like, man, I have to jump through so many hoops just to make this movie barely passable exactly. and understandable. It's it's it, at some where, point that's it gets where annoying. a movie like the Batman is just gonna. It's gonna take off because it's, it's not connected up. to anything. Yeah, I have, it's, it's I have not, no it's not tied down. Yeah, I have no contextual like I, I have no contextual what is it expectation? Yeah, like for this movie, not, yeah. nothing at all. Um, but uh, all right, like, uh, do you have any more thoughts to add? No, nope. amazing show, season yeah. two, nine point one, cinema killer. Really excited to see this. All right, let's um, move on here. Next up's our Batman countdown. I mean, we watched some. We watched some. We watched some shit movies. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The generation before us, Jeremy. Yeah. They watched like the Keaton. 
right? The Keaton films. 1989, and We kind of, like, grew yeah. up on, well, me personally, because I, I, my parents, like, wouldn't exactly let me see the Nolan films because they were little daughters or whatever. Uh, dad, dad had the, you know, he had the DVDs. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But, like, the Kilmer and the Clooney, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, they were our movies, Jeremy. They were for I, our age group. I hate that that's true. So let's start with <laughs> the better one of the two, uh-huh. the Schumacher, of the Schumacher films. Go ahead. Batman Forever. Oh, thank God. Okay, yeah. And when, <laughs> also, why the fuck is it called Batman Forever? I have no idea. No clue. <laughs> no I, clue. Like, it never were, comes into play. It never does. I, I was like, I I was feeling like, why is it called Batman Forever, by the way? It was like halfway through the movie, like, why yeah. Batman and it, I think they were trying to say that, like, Batman was just like he was on the fence about being Batman and by the end of the film he figures out like it's Batman forever yeah like, I, I'm like what okay I mean I guess I just like so many aspects of this movie don't land for me in any kind of right you love saying about that about movies or shows that you don't like it didn't for me okay I, I, <laughs> I I'm just saying like that that's genuinely how it feels every yeah. time I'm like this really just you know, it didn't work for me. It, no. it it just didn't mesh well with what I kind of thought this movie could be. Yeah. Like Val Kilmer to me on this watch is not as bad as I remember him no, being. Not at all. Um but I mean both of the villains, I'm sorry, Jim Carrey fans, hardcore Jim Carrey fans. He was bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. He was bad as the Riddler. Tommy Lee Jones, I'm sorry, the costuming was ridiculously horrible. Let's get into that. Let's get into the aesthetic, <laughs> right? Horrible. So we have the original two uh, Burton films. Very dark, penguins in it. Grungy. And grungy. Yeah. And black and white, almost noir. Right? Yeah, I was about to say noir-like. And yeah. it's it's just not, it's not made for kids. No. Even though it's like the superhero is supposed to be for kids and sell toys and all that. Yeah, but I mean, it feels like a period film. That's what it, it feels like. It like does a, feel some like sort of like 1940s Gotham or something like that, you know? So w- what happened was the studio didn't like the uh, so it was, Batman was making money at the box office, right? Yeah. But like the audience for you know selling merchandise and toys wasn't exactly there. Uh, yeah. So I mean that would make sense. If you were to watch all these movies back to back to back to back to back, mm-hmm. these four first four movies, you would see the tonal shift. Insane tonal shift. <laughs> yeah. Where yeah. you go from Penguin with black goop coming out of his mouth and being electrocuted and shit like that. Yeah. And then and then you get. <laughs> Like Batman's in Tokyo, Japan, in the next movie, in Batman Forever, where everything's <laughs> neon. There's like signs everywhere. And for some reason, buildings are purple and, and yellow and stuff like that. I swear to God, and I'll the connect. sky is pink. The sky's pink. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> oh, I was shit. watching that, and I said, that was so funny. I said, to, I said to my girlfriend Alice, I'm like, is the sky pink? Is my, <laughs> is my TV broken right now? Why is the sky pink? That doesn't make sense. Is is like the pollution in Gotham that bad or something? I'm connecting Book of Boba Fett to, to everything here. It's like it's like the <laughs> cyber teens showing up. It's out of the vibe. Like, bro, this was like the Spy Kids, <laughs> the years of like Spy Kids and shit. Yeah, dude, they were so trying to sell toys. Why the fuck does Batman, the the Dark Knight, who has to go in the shadows, have LEDs all over his fucking car? It makes no sense. Man. It makes no sense. It's, it's, it's <laughs> like the the creative choices made in this in, in this movie are. Are not grounded in the, in the character whatsoever. It's to sell. And so, and, and not only Batman, but the other characters as well. Mm. So we get Jim Carrey, who was huge in the late '90s, early 2000s, right? Very true, yeah. But they really just let Jim Carrey be Jim Carrey. It yeah. wasn't anything else. Like Very much I feel so. like he was the mask. Like the character <laughs> he was playing was the mask. Like that's, he was, he was doing all, twists accurate, and turns, actually, and he yeah. had like the same cadence and everything. But I think the mask yeah. was just Jim, Jim Carrey, and then the Riddler was just Jim Carrey. They didn't 
I don't think like what kind of direction did they give him on set to be like, yeah, I gotta say, hey, do this, be like the Riddler, be like the Riddler. But yeah. they probably just said, all right, say your line. Yeah, I gotta say, they, they, I think that it felt that way that there was very little direction. Yeah, that it was really just like, all right, guys, here's your scene, here's your lines, these are characters' motivations. Y'all just have fun now, okay? If you want to know, y'all, y'all do what you if feel. If you have right. not seen this film ever in your life, you just put on the first two minutes of the of the movie. You put on the first two minutes of the movie. Where it's giving you the intro, the credits are rolling with Joel Schumacher, Tim Burton film, yeah, uh, Val Kilmer, and it goes in the into the into the Batcave, and the Batmobile rises up, mm-hmm. and then Alfred says, "You know what I'm about to say." Yeah. Alfred asks him, "Master Wayne, should I prepare you a sandwich?" And Batman looks at him and goes, "I'll get drive-through," and then he hops in. <laughs> he says, "I'll get drive-through," I'll and get then he hops through. into the Batmobile and goes, "I'm like." <laughs> Holy mackerel. You're going to get drive through in the Batmobile, bro? <laughs> it's like, that's the type, I don't believe They you. were just trying to make it so unserious. Yeah. They were they trying were. to, it was just Very unbelievable. So. Let's talk about the b- behind the scenes, though. Yeah. Do you know what happened between Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey behind the scenes? Yes, actually. You do. I do. So, for the audience <laughs> out there, what happened was uh, Tommy Lee Jones wasn't exactly a fan of the film to begin with. And mm-hmm. then the whole film, I feel like. <laughs> I don't want to see was carried, but was so heavily reliant on Jim Carrey as the Riddler that it really sent ripples throughout the whole film. Yes, it did. So when Tommy Lee Jones doesn't like the film to begin with, you can imagine he doesn't like Jim Carrey. So one day, offset, Jim Carrey goes to goes goes out to dinner. Mm-hmm. He sees Tommy Lee Jones. He goes up to Tommy Lee Jones, and Tommy Lee Jones says, "I really don't like you. I hate you." <laughs> Just straight up. <laughs> just straight up, face to face. I hate you, by the way. It's kind of rude. And then Jim Carrey said, well, why? Right? And Jim Carrey's a nice guy. He goes, wait, why? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Did I do something? And <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones says, I cannot sanction your buffoonery. Blunt. 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 I'll give him that. What the fuck? <laughs> I cannot sanction your buffoonery. I cannot sanction Bro, his you're buffoonery. In the movie. Yeah, you're in Batman Forever. I wish you had the I wish he had the historical context of yeah. knowing how stupid that statement is, knowing the best, knowing the movie that they're in. I cannot sanction your buffoonery. I sound just like him. Holy Fucking shit! Ridiculous, dude. Fucking ridiculous. All right, what do you want to say about Batman Forever, Jeremy? Um, okay. The only thing that I'll really—I mean, that that pretty much sums up how mm-hmm. I feel about it. this movie—is just awful to me. Mm-hmm. I think it's so so bad. Um, but I mean, my my biggest biggest note about this movie, okay? They misspent their budget on yes everything everything, <laughs> everything. <laughs> it just was bad and the sound effects what does robin have bat like nipples and stuff batman did. a great question and and we'll get to that in batman and robin too oh, true. um so just to finish up on a batman forever yeah mm-hmm. i i honestly i really hated this film for me it doesn't leave that category of man if streaming was around in 1994 1995 this is a straight to dvd there's a straight to dvd streaming at home movie like oh my gosh like yeah. it was just horrible yeah. to me I, I didn't like really anything about this movie mm-hmm. um but yeah let's, let's i kind of uh, it kind of has a special place in my heart it's for nostalgia. i guess so yeah. but i mean still like i just watched it and i'm like man objectively this just sucks <laughs> like well let's go into oh my god another joel schumacher film Batman and Robin. The biggest toy commercial ever made. Oh my god. Go for it. Okay, so this movie was even worse than uh, I remember, mm-hmm. and even worse than its predecessor. First of all, we Batman forgot 
yeah we forgot <laughs> we forgot to mention uh also we i think we both realized on this this recent rewatch that mm-hmm. these two movies are supposed to be a continuation of oh, michael of michael keaton's batman's character like mm-hmm. just recast it in two other movies yeah which makes it all the more ridiculous mm-hmm. and terrible because exactly. i mean didn't match the tone and like you said tonal shift to like toy commercials basically mm-hmm. um but yeah my biggest notes for this what the fuck is a Batman credit card, bro? He whips that shit out, and it, has, it just has the bat symbol on it. it. Says Batman. It says valid through forever. Batman forever. Hey, nice, nice little. Oh, that's why they called it for the. Yeah, for the credit card. For the credit card. I, I just this this movie was in a word, preposterous. <laughs> this movie was Absolutely. just fucking ridiculous. What the fuck were they thinking? George Clooney. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, bro. What on earth happened in this movie? You were, you were, I mean, Ben tells me you were good in Oceans. I haven't seen it myself. My God, this was some of the worst acting I have ever seen from everybody. I didn't yeah. like anyone's performance. I mean, Val Kilmer is kind of like a 90s name, right? Yeah, he is. You should have like stepped away as soon as you heard Val Kilmer wasn't coming back, you know? I think so, yeah. And after you saw what they did, what Joel Schumacher did with like the last one, they, it had to be in the paycheck. It had I, to be. I guarantee it. I guarantee what am it. I ta- what am I talking about? Don't you care about the artistic integrity of Batman? This is merchandising rights, bro. Bro, I, I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? What am I talking about? George Clooney probably got paid a fortune to do that. Film. 100%. He probably did. I, I mean, we'll look it up later, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I assume he did. I The lowest points of this movie were surprisingly, somehow, with how terrible George Clooney was as Batman. Mm-hmm. My lowest points are the villains. My lowest. You don't like lowest, the ice puns? I don't like the ice puns. The dinosaurs. Poison Ivy. Literally, first of all, Bane doesn't utter, I think, a, a legible word in any of this. No, it's just Spanish. It's wait, what? He speaks in Spanish. I'm just kidding. I don't know. Because oh, okay. I, I was pretty sure he was just like grunting and mumbling the whole time. You totally thought your buddy had canceled. Yeah, I thought. It, I, was like, I was like, oh no, dude, I made a mistake. But um, yeah, no. I the the thing that really did it for me that I was like, man, this is getting like a sub twenty ish score. Yeah. Like, were the ice. It wasn't the ice puns. It was when Poison Ivy got defeated in her little lair. Mm-hmm. She fell backwards. Girl literally said, curses. She said, curses, bro. Curses? She ad-libbed that, bro. Oh, my God. The improvisation. Bro. That was the worst was thing insane. I've ever seen in my entire life. What did, what, did you, what did you think of this movie? Here's the thing. When I look back on these films before you rewatched it, I always thought Batman and Robin was the better movie. Mm. But as a wise young man, I realized I was wrong. Yeah. And I, when I, when I think about, oh, why did I like the, the Batman and Robin movies so much? Is because I had all the toys for it. I had, I had, I, I had like the ice Batmobile where they were like you were the target audience. I was the target audience, and they, <laughs> and they got me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it, and I'm thinking like, wow, they really just threw in as much like different versions of whatever they could yeah. in order to have different versions to sell, like the Batman suits and like. God, there were nipples on the Batman costume. Yeah, that Man. was that was pretty unnecessary. Oh, by the way, in the last movie, there's a bat ass shot, like where oh, he's, yeah, there where, is. He's, where he's like, <laughs> and and then you hear like the tightening rubber, and then yeah. he turns around and it zooms in on his ass. No, it's literally just his ass for a solid three or four frames. Yeah, it's so weird. Anyway, <laughs> back to this movie. It's not good. It, it everything you said was yeah. just perfectly summing up. It's. It wasn't made to be a good movie. It no. was meant to sell toys. They were, it, Absolutely. It, critics hated it. It was a box office like failure almost. It bombed. It bombed. But they had to have made their money on toys. Yeah, I got to say that that definitely feels like 
what they were doing. Uh, and I mean, dude, and when you think about it, like what this movie did to Batman, the character, <laughs> like the combination of these two movies, set him back a little bit. Like, mm. wh- when did this movie come out? I there was like uh, this a was solid. Like, I think ninety four and five. I'm probably wrong about that, but I, I mean, think I'm pretty sure ninety five. It's like for one almost of them. ten years before another Batman movie was made. Can you imagine? Yeah, that's Batman? actually true. Yeah, 2005 was when Batman Begins came out. I'm yeah, sure. and, and it's like, can you imagine if you, you were to say that today? Like, like 10 years? Considering like the <laughs> absolute success that superheroes are. Like if you just say, oh yeah, it's, it, it's, they're not going to make another Spider-Man movie for 10 years. You would be like, what are they thinking? Yeah, no fucking way. What I are they thinking? It, it is so preposterous to think you would kill a character's like usability in a market of film like that yeah. so hard mm-hmm. you don't make another movie for 10 years. That's yeah. what these two movies did. Yeah, they killed they killed the cinema of Batman for yeah. ten years. I, I I mean, thank God Chris Nolan did something. Seriously, Holy yeah. Shit. I mean, if he didn't do that trilogy, I gotta say, Batman, Bat, Batman, uh, Batman would probably have fallen into this category of superheroes. It's very gimmicky, very mm-hmm. very cartoony. Aquaman. Yeah, very Aquamany. I, I just, yeah, for me, these movies bottom of the tier these batman bottom of the tier again mm. val kilmer was not as bad just to sum up as yeah. i remember but george clooney was worse than i remember <laughs> oh my god um you have anything else you want to say no, about these that's movies? it uh combination score for these two movies i'll give an average of 4.1 i gave uh i gave batman forever a 3.4 and batman and robin a 2.1 pretty cool some pretty shit movies that's chill so sorry all right, all right. let's move on to our next segment we got uh, two TV spots. Two TV spots that's been there. Um, we got two TV spots here. The Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. Okay. We got uh, a Doctor Strange. Ca- ben. Sorry. <laughs> we got, we got uh, a Doctor Strange trailer mm-hmm. for Ma- Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, true. And yeah. we got a Moon Knight TV spot. I, I, uh, um, can, I, can I take the lead on Doc and you take the lead on You can take the lead. Moon? Uh, so, Doctor Strange, uh, here's what I'm thinking. Uh-huh. When we talked about earlier in our last episode, I think it was episode three, about possible cameos for Doctor Strange, and, I, and you said, oh, Professor X, Patrick Stewart, or James McAvoy, yeah. I said, I don't care. Right? Like, I, uninterested? Like, or... I, I just, if I were to see them pop up, I'd be like, well, that's, that's that is Professor X, yeah. Like, cool, man. It's, awesome. I don't. I just don't have that drive. I'm not a, as much as a, a X Men fan as like I don't know another person could be. But it's I just, guess so. I, I'm just when not we hear the voice the of a possible Professor X, yeah. Doctor Strange comes in in the handcuffs. It makes me think about other possible cameos. Mm-hmm. And the only one I would want to see is probably like I'm feeling burnt out on cameos, man. Yeah, I am I'm too. Feeling burnt out. I am too. I was about to say like I, I honestly. I couldn't care less about these cameos. Like, uh, I'll be excited to see some of these characters, like mm-hmm. Professor X being obviously hinted, Patrick Stewart in the trailer, and I mean, any way you slice it, that's his voice. That's Patrick Stewart. We're yeah. gonna get him in. We're gonna get some version mm-hmm. of Professor X in this movie. Yeah, these X Men characters. It puts all the Fox X Men characters on the table. Yeah. And I couldn't care less. I know. I, I really couldn't. I, I mean, honestly, there's I mean, X-Men... there's been recent rumors that Daniel Radcliffe. Is gonna pop up as Harry Potter? No, as a oh. as Wolverine. I mean, I'm just like guys. I don't know. I, I mean, I Deadpool is also rumored for oh, this, and almost I think Deadpool is almost confirmed for this. But I I am I'm out. I'm out on the cameos, man. I I really could not be less interested to see. Disney has to know that people are maybe feeling a little bit burnt out on these cameos because they're putting them like 
on the poster. Yeah. Like in the in the in the shard uh mirror dimension is just Yeah, I mean the the you couple just see the that... reflection of like a bunch of people exactly. and you're like, oh, these yeah. people could pop up. I gotta say the one thing that I took from this is I have no idea what the plot is gonna be. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. I'm perfectly fine not digging into this movie. Let me tell you what the plot's gonna be. Out. I'm glad you brought that up. So I saw yeah. a theory. Uh so a theory I saw yeah. on what was going on was that uh, America Chavez, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she and Defender Strange mm-hmm. are like in a universe together, and then they together are fighting like this multiversal like demon or like being, right? But yeah. Defender Strange has to sacrifice himself, right? Mm-hmm. And that zombie Strange with the, all the arms that you see yeah, is actually de- is Defender Strange. I think I did see that somewhere. Yeah. So. It's possible that like uh, he sacrifices himself to save her, mm. right? She is thrust through the multiverse and uh, asks our Strange for help, pretty much. Yeah, being like, "Hey, need your help." And then Defender Strange is like turns evil somehow, and and then they like fight each other. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's a very strong possibility. Uh, honestly, though, that sounds really interesting, and that matches up with what a, like a lot of what we saw in the trailer. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, though, I am wondering. How do we get there from the scene that I assume we start at, yeah. which is Wanda and him in that like orchard in that that house that we see her in at the end of WandaVision? I'm like, oh yeah. How do we get from there to there? Because exactly. I think both are semi likely and confirmed. Like, mm-hmm. I have no idea. And I guess the one last thing that I'll say that I'm excited about is the Illuminati is obviously in this film. Yeah, like the comic Illuminati is obviously in this film, and I'm mm-hmm. excited to see that. But mm-hmm. Honestly, I I just yeah the cameos I like you said I'm I'm a little burnt out here, and I mean again, Book of Boba Fett did it to me, bro. Yeah, the Book of Boba Book Fett of did Bo- it to me. I mean, Book I'm of Boba, you're ruining the industry. It's man. gonna ripple. It's gonna ripple for the rest of the year. I, so I, I let's get into the Moon Knight trailer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we got I I the thing that sticks out the most is when he flings his cape and he makes a, his little symbol. Ben. Like so cool. Ben. So sick. The way I have written down. All I needed for this series was that 15-second clip of him jumping with his cape forming the crescent. That's all I need from this series, dude. Bro, it was was so cool. Shut it down. That's all I needed. That's it. (laughs) Keep the cape scenes, Disney. More cape scenes. More cape scenes, please. Yeah, super hype. I'm very hyped for that one. It's coming out in like a few weeks, right? March something? I think in in March. March, cool. But I got to say, I don't have really anything to say about this, except my expectations, I'm so sorry, are like through the roof. Like really, they are. I, I this is the first series that Kevin Feige has definitively said we're not pulling back anything. Like this is going to be a huge tonal it's shift. Going to be a sex scene. I'm totally cutting that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean that's like the him saying that it's a huge tonal shift mm-hmm. and that they aren't pulling anything back. My expectations are darede- daredevil level like brutality, which is. Which is what I've wanted to see because I mean Marvel is really family oriented yeah. kind of thing. But right. let's move uh, on to the next yeah, one. let's go ahead and move on. Uh, and moving on, we're actually going to cut right here because it's it's time for Uncharted. All right, Jeremy, are you ready to do a little? What do I say? All right, Jeremy, are you ready to do a little actual movie review? We haven't gotten a lot of movies. We're in like this dead space of movies. Very much so. But finally, we got a movie that we can talk about in Uncharted. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy. We have a little guest to go along with it. Luke, welcome to Not Quite Cinema Podcast. I want to thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me, Jeremy, Ben. I mean, we've we've talked countless movies together over the years. And, you know, me being a recent graduate from FSU, I got a little 
time on my hands before I start uh, looking looking into the great world in the beyond. And uh, I thought I'd hop on to talk about one of uh, my favorite video game franchises turned to the big screen uh, and, oh, yeah, and how that played out. Yeah. All right. Well, Luke, we're just going to hop right into it. Um, Jeremy? Let's go. Like, what did we think of this movie? Okay, so... something. All right. For me... I think my biggest thing for this movie, one, I thought the acting was pretty subpar, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of the disconnect between me and the mainstream opinion, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the same for you guys and we can dive into it, but I'm not sold on Tom Holland as, as You're Nathan You're not sold Drake. on Tom Holland. I'm really I agree not. with you. I agree with you that the acting was not there, but I don't think it was the actors themselves as much as the fact that they didn't fit these roles that they were playing yeah. all that well. I mean, Tom Holland is he he doesn't seem like the brawny, like serious, like adventure type, you yeah. know. I mean, we think Nathan Drake from the video games. You 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 see that scruff. You see that kind of like, like really war worn down and tore down kind of I was like say, seasoned, He's seasoned, very seasoned, seasoned, absolutely. Yeah. And then you get Sully, who's the old man, who's just like too cocky. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg didn't fit this for mm-hmm. me. I mean, Luke, Luke, how how were they for you? Did they kind of fit those characters well or no? No, from from the very beginning, there was just a major disconnect with what the movie was trying to accomplish in in bringing uh, the the themes and and a lot of the plot points from Uncharted Four and the weird de aging of of basically all the characters involved. Uh, yeah. Tom Tom Holland, say what you want about him in other films, but I. I could not buy him as as Nathan Drake for the life of me. Maybe that's just cognitive cognitive bias. Uh, thinking of Nathan Drake from the video games and what my expectations are of someone like that. But Tom Holland, to me, it was more Peter Parker trying to play Indiana Jones uh, than anything yeah. else. I I could not buy him as Nathan Drake. And as for Sully, a lot not not only was Mark Wahlberg not that good of a comparison to Sully uh, in in the casting. But yeah. I just thought that the, the the way he approached the different characters and the way he came off and talked and, and the discourse that he had with each character uh, was just non, non-existent. No, like, it came out one year and went out the other. Just, mm-hmm. I for the life of me, I could not uh, get a single interesting thing uh, from what Mark Wahlberg brought to the table. Totally agree. Totally. Completely agree. Uh, Perfectly said, Luke. I just got to say that was perfectly, perfectly said. The Peter Parker thing. Really, really, yeah. really accurate. Absolutely. <laughs> like, I mean, it, it, it is what it is. I mean, Tom Holland, I don't know if it's a typecast. I, I don't... It's not a typecast. That's me, just who he is. Yeah. Right to now, me, in he his is mid-20s... Being, he is being asked to... Do, sorry, sorry to cut you off there, Ben. You, you oh, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, he's being cast for a lot of the same roles, just in different themes and different genres. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, and it goes along with saying that it's not his fault. It's just where he is as a person. He's he's mid, like, in his mid-20s, right? Late 20s. And, I mean, you just can't expect him to fill these roles where it's supposed to be like, oh, this is, like, crazy serious. It deals with, like, uh, the character and, like, source material is based on is based on a character who's, like, maybe mid 30s like a whole 10 years that's a big gap to like try to fill the shoes of you know i mean uh he was a he played a little kid in spies in disguise he was <laughs> spies in disguise i mean he was like in another animated movie oh he was in doctor doolittle as like a bird or something like that he was oh, he just wow. doesn't have that 
voice. He's a great actor. He's such a good actor. But like, I feel like it's the voice he needs and the levity. youngness in his face. Yeah, where it's just the le- Yeah, the levity there is just mm-hmm. it doesn't convey the type of character that Nathan Drake is. Agreed. I I definitely think yeah, Nathan Drake needs to be like we said this kind of seasoned adventurer who you know has a more serious tone to him and. I think in some ways he hits that that chord, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I just can't get over the appearance. I, I'm sorry. Like I hate to use the the, the term babyface, but like kind of young man. He's, he's a young young he's man. He's young, and it, for me, it doesn't fit the Nathan Drake thing, which I think kind of points to a more structural problem mm-hmm. with uh, video game adaptations. Is I will always, always, and I'm not wrong for doing it. I will always go into these movies wanting not a carbon copy, but these characters from the video game, at least, I want them back. Like I want, you want those them characters. to be portrayed on screen. Yeah, I, I, I want I don't a two-hour-long cutscene. Exactly. I don't need like a an interpretation of mm-hmm. different versions. I, exactly. I want to see that version that mm-hmm. I grew to love. I mean, what one, do you, one, what do you kind of think? Like, one thing I'll note about the like how the process of this film came to be. Uh, this this was on a Roger Ebert's uh, review of it, but uh, according according to this article. There were six different guys that were in line to direct this movie, and it went through all these yep. different trials. And mm-hmm. you have to expect that after this many meetings and this many kind of brain, you know, meetings of the minds, it was going to f- follow to the, the law of averages and end up being an average film. And that's kind of what we got. There was no real, there was no real bite. There was no real character. There was no real uh, significant uh, moniker of any one uh, director's, you know, vision. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Luke, because when you see a movie go through that many, you know, directors, like, it wasn't even like, oh, they were in line to direct it, but, you know, maybe they just decided not to. They were hired, and then they were fired or left on their own accord because this movie brought so much turmoil and disagreement and creative disagreement, right? Because they probably had people like us in a room saying, like, well, you got to make the YouTube or well, not YouTube. We gotta make, this is all new. We got to make the vi- we got to make the video game into a movie. Yeah, like yeah. Like what are we doing here? Why are we like casting Tom Holland? And they said, "Get the fuck out of the room. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, man." Yeah, yeah. Like, and they're like, "Okay, yeah." And they finally got someone to agree to direct it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I I think the direction was there, but the amount of plot holes that were in this film, and the story beats that were not hit, and the character like relationships that were just dull and boring. It was. It really made this movie a poor film. For me. Yeah, I An think. Film yeah, the film. last two things that I'll say about this before we move on, I first of all, the CGI traveling with the plane, mm. that was pretty rough. Guys. I understand I, why why it's inspired. You know, Indiana Jones, but too much, too much Indiana Jones. It gave me Indiana Jones. I said this to you in the movie, but it gave me Risk the mobile game vibes. Oh yeah, like, it looked like Risk. <laughs> It was, it was so bad, um, so so bad. But there, I, I, as as someone who holds Raiders of the Lost Ark in the upper echelon of movies of all time, I mean, yeah. this is just a, a spit in the face of that. Just constant railroading of of, of um, MacGuffins. Mm-hmm. I mean, going from from city to city, not really accomplishing anything in the in in the emotional uh, intelligence of the characters. Uh, just really a, a a streamlined bland movie yeah, yeah and uh, yeah the the very last thing i'll say is the connection between the plot points like how we got from one event to another mm-hmm. a lot of those co- like connections were just bad or 
semi preposterous. Like we pointed this one out when we were in the movie where uh, Nathan Drake, Tom Holland, he's just kind of coasting along the coast, and it's they show us a map, and they're like, "Here's where you know the villains are going to check for the treasure. Here's where Tom's going to check for the treasure." The and then, I... and then we see him pass by the villains on their beach, and she, and the the main the main villain, I forget what her her character name is, Me but too. she looks in in the spyglass, and she's like. There he is. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get him. Luke, Luke, <laughs> like, little test for you right here, Luke. What was the name of the of, of uh the bad the bad villain uh with like the shape head? What was her name? She wasn't she didn't have a shape head. I, I could not tell you. I could not tell you. I could not remember. Yeah, the, the villains were very subpar. Yeah, without, very without looking it up. Level. She I mean the, but that's the crazy part. They tried to make her that significant and killing off what I thought was a more intriguing character in, in Antonio Banderas's uh yeah. character. And mm-hmm. they kill him off to replace him with this girl. And I can't even, like, you can't tell me what her name is. That's how insignificant they made this, the characters feel. It's, yeah, I totally agree with you right there because it's like, this goes into my point about plot points and how there are plot holes in this film. Like, she kills him, takes over his army or whatever, and then no one kind of, like, revolts against that and they just kind of go along with it. So I guess oh. everyone was in on it. Right. By the way, this man bleeds. Ex- no, everyone was in on it except Chloe. I guess which is so. something that I'm just like, how did I no mean, one see that? Were they though? Like, I, honestly, yeah, I I, I read that it, right? I read that moment more as like they were just like, okay, she's got the power now. All right, cool, cool. I'll follow you. You'll still get me the money. Like, all right. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, true. Because I mean, Moncada, he was taking the money for his family for himself. Like, mm-hmm. he was still paying them, but. I feel like under, you know, I, I guess I'll just call her the blonde-haired villain. Like, it's like the one thing that she might have brought to the table is like, we'll take a more even split of yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the villains were kind of service level. And the very, very last thing I'll say about this movie, mm-hmm. Moncada bled for a second and then he died. <laughs> I, it looked like a paper cut, too. It looked like a paper it cut. It didn't even look deep at all. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it it was looked, the, the whole scene was just very abrupt and, and it, it played out that like, way oh, with with his yeah. death. I was like, like they they get to that point and for a second go oh, and then there's there's really nothing to to ponder after that. It's just from from there on out, it's it's this chick instead of uh, Antonio Banderas' mm-hmm. character. Yeah, I'm like, why why are you bothering to bring this man's the whole movie into has it, a theme like, of like betrayal, like oh you can't trust people. It's you got to learn how to trust people. I felt like it was trying to be no sudden move and Raiders of the Lost Ark all yeah. at the same time, and then <laughs> and then you just get it. But like these betrayals just become mindless, and you're like oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, well, I think it gets to the point where there are so many betrayals that you lose. Like they never try to build up the relationships and and the the huge emotional points within these characters uh, mm-hmm. for the betrayals to have any sort of significant meaning at all. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Well, all right, what? Uh, let, let's finish up here because we're we're running pretty what? long. Like, what? What? Uh, I just go around. Luke, we'll start with you. What? What score, score did you give this film? So I, I usually rate my movies on a, on a scale of ten, and I would give this one a four and a half. I thought it was a, a below average movie, to be completely yeah. honest with you. And I know that you guys have a different rating system. You got to introduce me to that so that I can give an, an accurate uh, version of you guys' rating. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, Ooh. all of us, uh, Jeremy and I, I gave it a uh, a five point five, but it's possibly going to go lower the more I think about it. Right. What about you, Jeremy? Uh, Okay, let people not think that Ben and I are just one mind. Obviously, we're not. But, like, I also gave it a 5.5. <laughs> uh, we, we do do it out of 10. We just uh, we try to give it more, you know, like, 
phrases rather than yeah. just the numerical value. The designation that this movie is, if we were to sum it up in one little small phrase, this movie is a $5 Tuesday movie. If your local theater has a discount night, that's the night, guys. This is the movie you see it. That's the night. Yeah. You don't go and see this for $11. You go and see this for price. 5 This is bucks. not a full price movie. Okay. Just pay it on a five dollar Tuesday. Yeah, that's it. Literally. Uh, does anyone have anything else to add for this before we move on? Nope. I'm excited for Uncharted Two. Maybe I don't know. I'm not. Luke, <laughs> you go ahead. Yeah, I was about to say that's the one disservice that that took me over the edge was the fact that they they uh, sprinkled in a little. I mean, this are we giving spoilers? I, I guess we're already giving spoilers. Yeah. I don't oh, know yeah, why, feel free. I don't feel know. Free, yeah. I don't know why why I even consider that before I started talking about this. But um, the, just the the idea that they're considering bringing back Uncharted Two. For a movie is is a disservice to Uncharted fans mm-hmm. everywhere. It's a little Absolutely. offensive, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, uh, our our very last section today, um, our our boy, uh, not really our boy, but a uh, very famous director, eighty two years old, Francis Ford Coppola, mm-hmm. uh, very world renowned, has made some of the best movies of all time. Godfather specifically. Uh, yeah, Godfather specifically, I, I think, is the one most people associate with him. He also did The Outsiders, which I didn't know. I, didn't uh, know I liked that movie a lot. But anyway, Bum. he came out uh, Team Scorsese mm-hmm. this week. Yeah. Uh, and in, I, I'm not sure if it was an interview or not, but uh, there was a press statement that came out that he said, a Marvel picture is one prototype that is made, not kidding, he said, over and over and over and over and over and over again. To look different, which, I mean, first of all... Okay, he's got a point. He's got a point. Yeah, he does. He does. It's formulaic. Yeah. I'll give him that. Yeah, but I mean, he he also goes on to take a shot at Dune and take a shot at that's No, no that's Time to up. Die. And he's yeah. like, all oh, these these creative directors, they're trapped in these these mindless, shitty stories. I'm like, you're full of shit, bro. Like, yeah. actually. I, I, how can you look at those stories and say... Oh, this is all one thing. I'm like, no, it's well, just not what you define. Here's the thing. Like, I hate the fact that he said that about Dune because the the Dune film that came out the, uh, 2021, right? It was super faithful to the source material. It was very faithful. And those source fucking material. source material came out 60 years ago. It did. <laughs> so, like, what are you talking about, bro? Yeah. I, if anything, movies today follow that. Yeah. Because it was so impactful and influential to like. The sci-fi genre and fantasy genre. Yeah, and I mean, we we've both said, and I, I know Luke has said as well that yeah, these these Marvel movies are getting a little formulaic for us. Mm-hmm. We are getting kind of bored with these cookie cutter stories that do feel the same over and over again. Specifically, origin stories, mm-hmm. um, and you know the way that Marvel movies first, second, and third act. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I, I just think it's really un. I think it's incredibly reductive. Yeah, to just take these certain aspects and be like. Okay, the successive action, the successive origin story trope, mm-hmm. like, oh man, like I, you just can't you can't complain because it's no. trending upwards for what audiences. Do you think, I mean, so so you guys are more well versed in the in the actual uh, interview that he gave where he, we, he he rattled this stuff off. I think he's off base on on Dune when he's talking about that. I think that's actually one of the marvels of uh, the new technology that we're able to produce. That you're able to take what was a great concept for a movie. Uh, Back when it was first released, the the original cut, the original version of Dune, uh, and great movie. It was it was like <laughs> now it, it, we have it in 2021 where it's that much better of a of a movie. Mm-hmm. It's up, it's up for an Oscar. It should win multiple Oscars this year. So I think he's off, he's off base when he's commenting on that. I will say though, I don't 
I don't completely disagree with them in that Marvel movies are getting formulaic. Um, due to, due to out, due to outside re, like reasons beyond just uh, the art of cinema. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I gotta say, um, I, honestly, he went a little too scorched earth for my taste. Like, yeah. he ended up during during the interview, he ended up calling the franchise quote despicable, and I'm like, seems like a lot. I mean, honestly, for me, it, it really just seems like, like he he said again like. These films aren't personal, and I wholly disagree. Mm-hmm. These films, these films can be incredibly personal. Like yeah. I love these movies, and they resonate with me a lot. Just because they don't resonate with you, because you're 82, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I mean, you're not the audience, like, bud. I'm sorry to say. Yeah, I'm sorry that it's trending in a different direction, but cinema still exists within these within these movies. That's insane to me that, yeah. that he's submitting. I mean, that these, that these movies are invalid. The like, audience over the last 20 years has gotten like really, really smart and really, really observant, but. but 82-year-old men who made good films 40 years ago just aren't the audience, you know? Because that's what he... I mean, I feel like that's what it used to be. You make movies for the people that are in charge, right? And now I feel like they're making it for, for like, the general person, you know? It's so much more accessible. Everything's, like... It feels better because I, I, I like modern movies way more than older movies. Yeah, it's I, just... I, it, the times, are, times are changing. Yeah. And instead of, like, criticizing and bringing down and calling a certain art despicable is just it's not the right thing to do and it's a bad look yeah i mean again yeah no go ahead luke sorry i would just ask where the constructive part of his criticism was what would he what would he there do is differently he, I mean, there is no that's true yeah. you know it, we, we we hold we hold him up to a higher standard because of the movies that he's directed in the past but if he's not willing to give insightful criticism that could further the production of movies and you know further the industry towards something you know more creative like he wants, then then what was really the point of him mouthing off about it? Yeah, I, I, th- I think the thing is like I think him just stating what it is is his criticism. Yeah, I, I definitely think that him just just insulting it. Yeah, he perceives that as honestly like I, I'm sorry to be so emotionless about this, but. This is exactly what it what it feels like. Mm-hmm. A dying filmmaker trying to cling to the industry that he knew mm-hmm. and that he hopes still prevails. Yeah, I'm like it's it's just not that way anymore. Like yeah, CGI is a part of filmmaking now. Like action sequences are a huge part of filmmaking now mm-hmm. and it has broad appeal. He's not wrong about that, but yep. you can't bag on it because that's trending upwards for audiences. Factual. I mean, Factual. come on, like you have to move with the industry. It, it's mm-hmm. just it's just honestly, honestly, kind of frustrating, and that, that's that's pretty much all yeah. I have to say about that. Do you, you have anything else to add? Uh, I give Francis Ford Coppola a two point two on that interview. I give him a one. <laughs> I give him a one. Luke, you got anything else to add about? I would him? give him a slightly better rating than than Marty's criticism of it. Uh, I'll give I'll give him a, I'll give him I'll give him a three. I'll give him a three. I'm a three. three. Solid right, three. Right. Let's nice, go. Nice. All right. Is that going to cover all of our topics? For yeah, this week, that Jerry? is everything. Remember, guys. Follow us on social media. We're on Twitter. We're on YouTube. We're on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Not quite cinema. Uh, and, you know, we, we upload 12, 1230 uh, every single every Sunday. Sunday. Um, uh, yeah, and that's that's, that's, that's going to do us, I think, for All this right, week. Luke, thanks for joining us. Uh, yeah, again, uh, real quick, sorry. Luke, thank you for coming on this week. Hopefully we can have you on a, a little more regularly. Um, Absolutely. But, but, yeah, yeah, when, yeah. Whenever you guys need me, I'll, I'll be on call. Let's go. Let's go. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining us, guys. Adios. We'll see you next week.